If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a fan of comic books, movies, and other areas of pop culture. If so, you should check out The Sci-Fi Pie, a blog with reviews, analyses, theories, top ten lists, and more about, but not limited to, Marvel, DC, and Star Wars. The Sci-Fi Pie also explains certain things when it comes to the legalities of your favorite entertainment companies. Do you want to know why Marvel's able to publish comics with Star Wars characters? Or why they seemingly have a mysterious embargo on X-Men characters in video games, even though Fox only has movie rights to them? There was also recently a series of posts discussing the pros and cons of a story having main character armor. Read it before part two comes out. In addition to all that, the Sci-Fi Pie lately started doing interviews with people who have benefited a certain industry or fandom. To check everything out that I just mentioned, go to www.scifipie.me. Again, that's scifipie.me. Also, don't forget to follow at sci-fi.pi on Facebook and sci-fi underscore pi on Twitter. And now let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, let's get riggedy riggedy wrecked on today's episode of the Elseworlds Exchange, because we're going to be talking about Rick and freaking Morty, a show that characteristically I avoided when it first aired, and then uh, a friend of mine told me it was brilliant, and I trusted it. Actually, I didn't trust his opinion, but then he came over to my place and he just made me watch the whole first season in one sitting, and I was like, I'm hooked. (laughs) <laughs> I, I came to it similarly super late. I didn't get into Rick and Morty until uh, like halfway into season two. And I only did that because I mainlined like all of Steven Universe. And I'm like, okay, now that was cool and sweet and everything. I want something on the complete other spectrum of that. Give me something dark and cynical and adultly humorous. And oh boy, was Rick and Morty the perfect thing. Yes. Now, uh, obviously, if you're watching this episode, you are probably a fan of Rick and Morty, the show that is created by uh, community developer uh, Dan Harmon and uh, Channel 101 creator Rick... Uh, uh, Justin Roiland. Uh, it's, it's funny you call him Rick because he voices both Rick and Morty. He's Rick and Morty. He's, uh, and he, uh, and if you've ever watched his earlier work, which is all on YouTube, you can go check mm-hmm. out, uh, what's it called? Uh, Channel 101. You'll see his Doc and Marty sketches, which are way yep. more inappropriate, but oh, yeah. you can see exactly where Rick and Morty comes from and where the voices are being developed and how Morty is basically just a really, really exaggerated, really poor version of a Marty McFly voice. Yep. Um, and I guess if you, if you, if you try, if you follow the logic, uh, Rick is basically just an exaggerated, at least the first, the first season and then it, towards the end of the first season, he changes, but like he becomes so much more. But it's basically a Christopher Lloyd as Doc voice. It's um, it, it's like someone took the thing where it's like, imagine if Doc was actually a dangerous, crazy person, and not like the happy, sunny, fun, kid-friendly, crazy person yeah. that he is in the Back to the Future movies. Exactly. Um, so. Yeah, uh, but the created by that, it's on uh, Adult Swim, uh, the place that created another show that was dark and rich and humorous and uh, animated that I really loved, The Venture Brothers, which is part of the mm-hmm. reason why I avoided Rick and Morty for so long was because I watched, uh, I loved and watched uh, Venture Brothers, mm-hmm, and same. then it took like five years between seasons, and I was like, I don't see what you two are doing that isn't this show. It's not like you're working. It's not like okay. There's. It's been like ten years since a Homestar Runner cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but those two got jobs at Disney and do stuff that's literally just Homestar Runner, but not, but not theirs. I get why they're not doing Homestar Runner anymore. With Venture Brothers, it's like, what? What have you been doing though? 
I don't know, but it's like I I know I was really into the last season telling you, oh, it's so funny. They've moved to Marvel's New York. They're doing this, that and the other. They got all these killer Avengers jokes. And you're like, don't care. Yeah, I don't. I really don't. They 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 wore out their welcome with me. I, I, I dedicated a big portion. That's the thing. When you're a nerd, when you're a geek, when you uh, when you are big into especially comics, you know, you have so much headspace for so many different universes and so many oh, yeah. different like genres and you know, like, I remember getting into the... I remember, I remember when The Matrix aired. Or, not aired, oh. but when it came out. And there was a big subset of my culture that was, like, all in on Matrix. And I'm like, nah, I could take it or leave it. And people were like, what are you talking about? You love Terminator. You love Predator. You love comic books. You love this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, yeah, I only have so much space up here. I can't, I can't dedicate another portion of my brain to... Morpheus and the and, and the and Zion and all the bullshit ghosts and shit. I, I well, can't do it. I've never become a Fast and the Furious fan because I'm like, nope, that's one too many subgenres, too many for me. Fast and the Furious works for me. It's easy for me to not care because I don't care about cars. Yeah, that same. For I just me straight too. up don't care about cars. Like, it's even a, though people are like, oh, it's become so much more now. They're like car superheroes now. Right. I don't give a shit about that. That does not appeal to me. Um, but with Venture Brothers, I felt really like I I, I was. Uh, actually, Tiffany got me into Venture Brothers, and I loved it so much. I'm like, this is really cool. Um, and then, basically, the creators showed just utter disdain and contempt for its audience. And I was like, fuck you too. I don't need. I don't need to have like encyclopedic dedication to the intricacies of uh, Rusty Venture's neuroses and what a miserable bastard. Everyone in the show is a miserable bastard. Everyone's flawed and broken, and they're never gonna change. But not because, like, they're the Simpsons and they can't change. It's because they're they never going to. to change because people don't change. It's it's a really frustrating, sad, like, universe. And That's what I like about it. <laughs> I like it. I like the idea and I like the, the fantastic and the, and the humor is legitimately part of me. Like, I like that humor. But at the same time, if the creators don't give a shit about me, if they don't care about the show, and the show itself is not a joy to watch, then it's easy for me to let it go. And See, I, I think they got some of that back in the last season. Right, but like by then, they've used up to all of my goodwill for the show. They did two gigantic breaks between seasons. Like, well, and you and you got a special movie there in some uh, in between as well. They right, kind of bridge the gap, which they didn't need to do. They could have just done the show. It felt it was basically like, hey, and here's the two part finale that we would have done, but we're just doing it as a movie. Right, but they, yeah, that's my point. Is just they, they could have just made the show instead and saved us a year and a half or two years or three years yeah. between seasons. With Rick and Morty, um, it, it, it's it's actually interesting because for me, I'm like, yes, I'm like, okay, there was a big there was a big gap between season two and three. Although not as long as it was supposed to be. They even joked about the gap being longer, but Cartoon Network and Adult Swim were like, no, 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 move this up on the timetable. And it could have been Venture Brothers Syndrome. They were like, we can't lose our audience like we did with Venture Brothers. Possibly. But, uh, but for me, it's in spite of myself. Like, I can't get enough of Rick and Morty. It's true. It's like, true. It's, it's it's made me fans of the other stuff. It's made me want to go back and watch the Channel 101 stuff. It's made me want to go back and watch Heat Vision and Jack. Heck, I'm a fan of Dan Harmon's Harmontown podcast now because of Rick and Morty. Yeah, I, I, I absorbed everything that I could of uh, Royland and Harmon and everything. I was actually a big Harmon fan beforehand, or at least I was of the first few seasons of Community. I loved Community, mm. and I liked the, the humor there, and I liked the, like... 
how it made you happy cry. Um, yeah. But I, you know, of course the show fell apart and died. I kind of yeah. got why and, and how Harmon, like, I like, I like bitter, miserable Harmon. Yes. Who is, without the failure of community, you don't get Rick and Morty because like. It's true. It, there is, there is some, there is some, there's some demons in that show it's, that it's, are. It's a direct answer too. And again, if you listen to Harmon a lot, he has this amazing history of being part of shows and being part of projects only to be fired from them. He was the first couple seasons of the Sarah Silverman show too, before he got fired for being too hard to work with. And he wrote monster house and he was apparently going to do more stuff with that studio until he got fired for it, for being hard to work with. Now that's being said. Yeah. I I can imagine how Dan Harmon can be really frustrating to work with. (laughs) As Um, As he says himself every time, I want it to be good is the problem. Right. And it's like, dude, no one is arguing. I don't think they're fighting with you on making it good. I think it's a question of like opinions about what is good. But uh, it's, yeah, it's almost like is this John K syndrome too, where it's like I will take forever to make this done. No. And that's the thing. And uh, we'll get into our love for Rick and Morty and uh, and some like overview of the first two seasons in a minute. But I wanted to talk about. Did you read the post Hangover tweet? barrage from dan Harmon apologizing for the delay and kind of explaining why yes yes yes, i did actually in fact he went into that a bunch in Harmontown as well before he did the hangover tweet but yes give people more insight into that so uh there's a big there's a big gap between season two and season three people were wondering why and apparently though i didn't hear about this because i stay away from because i want to enjoy the show i don't want to be spoiled i really Mm -hmm. stay away from like the subreddits and all that shit so i avoided that and uh, so I missed the whole, like, apparent drama or supposed drama that there might have been, like, some infighting between Harmon and Royland. That which, was the popular prevailing theory, yeah. Which is not a hard-to-believe theory, given that Dan Harmon's relationships with everyone that he's ever worked on any t- television show fall apart or are destroyed because of the frustrating personality that is Dan Harmon. Uh, geez, you should hear some of the arguments between him and his wife during their D and D stream. I can't even imagine. I don't want to. Oh, do, I don't even yes. want to listen to it. But they, uh, they went to some dark places. But the man loves the sauce, and he's not afraid to say things when he's had a couple kettle ones. Yikes! Uh, but apparently, what happened was they just, they just, they they understand the quality of the first two seasons, and they want to be as faithful to the level of standards that we have expected oh. from those shows you know, that we are at. So like they, they wanted season three to, it's literally just, we just, we're taking more time because we're worried that we're not being as talented and as good at it as we, sh- as we should be. And, and I totally agree with that. Third season slump is a real thing, especially for animated shows. Oh yeah. No question. Unless it's the Simpsons, in which case it's actually even better than the last season. Yeah. That's the, th- it's seasons three to nine are the golden classics that will never be surpassed. Now that said, the, one of the reasons that like really engendered me to Rick and Morty was it was evident to me that the creators of Rick and Morty, before I even knew who they were, loved The Simpsons. Yeah. Like, oh, for, absolutely. For me, it's like an adult Simpsons show. And I don't mean it like is. it's just The Simpsons, but this, but like, like Family Guy is an adult Simpsons or whatever. I, I think that it's just like... These are the people who were raised on the humor that I was raised on as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is kind of spectacular. And it's not Absolutely. aping off those jokes. It's it's building off of that foundation of humor. 
And you can tell the Simpsons writers love Rick and Morty because there's actually on like the season one DVD, there's a whole commentary track that's just, hey, here's the current Simpsons writers talking about an episode of Rick and Morty they really like. And Rick and Morty did the great couch gag for Simpsons, which I think is an amazing like, you know, torch-passing moment in a way. Oh, the couch gag with Rick and Morty is basically, like, just a crossover episode. It's yeah. it's worth watching, and of course, never then checking out The Simpsons afterwards. Just watch the couch gag. Because literally every reference in that, episode, in, in that couch gag references the seasons that mm-hmm. we've talked about in our episode of The Simpsons on Elseworlds Exchange Ooh, yeah. that are great. Clearly those two were like, no, these are the shows. You know, M- Morty, we got to clean this up quick. Any character could walk by. There's like a million characters here, Morty. George Bush was their mayor, or was their neighbor. <laughs> he was. He really was. So, uh, yeah, uh, anyway, the, there was a big tweet barrage from Dan Harmon said, like, don't worry, the show is still good. Everyone who's working on it is still happy and fine, and we're fine. He doesn't like episode four, though, though. He says episode four of this newest season is the worst one they've done. It's probably another... Uh, another um tv episode then possibly i guess we'll see because i will say i love those the the, okay okay, let's talk about the the infinite tv phenomenon um yes it's two intergalactic tvs yeah the the two episodes for both seasons one episode per season where they just go in the booth get completely fucked up and then just just improv jokes Mm -hmm. and then make these poor amazing animators make it real amazing it's amazing and on so many levels the fact that they do it the fact that they make the animators create them how talented the, the animators are how the when you think about how i hope there's no communication between the animators and the creators themselves and just go like here's the audio do whatever you want to do yeah you know like I, I i love everything about what they do even if not all the jokes land that too and also to be smart enough to be like okay this will be the A story, but we'll have to have a really hard-working B story in these episodes, too. I want to say, and I don't. this is not true because I don't know it to be true, but I want to believe that the B stories for the Infinite TV episodes are the Dan Harmon, like, I will die on this hill, we need to mm. do this episode, like, concession, where it's like, Probably. we're not going to do an episode, a full episode where Jerry needs to dedicate his penis to some, like, <laughs> intergalactic peacekeeper. Yeah, uh, to save the alien Dalai Lama. But we will use it to fill time in our improv episode. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or uh, what is it, Summer finding out she was a mistake. That yes, too. God. And by the way, like, okay, so let's talk about that for a second. Just through the improv episodes, even in the episodes that seemingly they don't give a shit about, because while I've while we said they're both brilliant, I think the second one is a little less brilliant than the first it one. It is. But they even make a joke about that, too, saying, you know, when is the sequel ever better than the original? Yeah, I think we nailed it on the first round, but all right. Uh, although the, the B-plot, I think, is more fun, and, they're, and I'm still making jokes from that episode itself. Um... Look at me. I have a pencil for a dick. It's just <laughs> just uh, Warner Herzog doing a voice for... Amazing. Uh, Shrimply Pibbles. Just amazing. A, a truly respected, you know, creator, actor, everything else, and they've got him saying complete nonsense. <laughs> I, I wonder if him and uh, what is it? Uh, what is it? Patrick Stewart have like a bet going on, like which more respected actor can say the sillier things in their own show. Exactly. I mean, Patrick Stewart is winning by a country freaking mile. A dude says no 
to no one. He's done Empire commercials. He's on American Dad, despite the fact the show was killed twice. Um, he's yeah. in, and he's poop in the Emoji movie, which, by the he's way, poop. no one go see it because this should be the movie that should kill Sony so that we can get Spider-Man forever. So yes, that's all you have to do. Just don't see this movie. Yeah, all you have to do is listen to the voice inside you that says, "I probably don't want to see that Emoji movie," and don't see the Emoji movie. That's all you need to do. In fact, form gangs, form chain gangs outside the theaters to make sure other people don't see it as well. But just don't tell your counterculture friend. Not to see it, because he's going to, like, do the opposite. He's just annoying. You know, Gary. To be sucks. ironic. Anyway. Fuck but, uh, yeah, so Rick and Morty. Uh, what, what, what's, what, what do you want? Joel, what do you want to do? What do you, you want to say now? What, what do you, what, uh, you want to go with that? Oh, geez, so uh, I mean, you know, it's a, in our relationship. Who's the Rick and who's the Morty? Yeah, I, 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 I think we, I think, I think we just answered that question, man. Geez, <laughs> Sal, you're really giving me a hard time over here. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm really giving you a hard time. You're really, uh, you're really asking for it, Joel. That's uh, a hundred years, Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I gotta tell you, really quick, uh, really quick, Rick and Morty's story, uh, just how it's permeated in my life. It's ruined me. Um, <laughs> I was at. A, a, a comic-con in jersey recently not too recently but a little while ago and uh there was this there were, there were a couple of people hanging out and we were uh, tiff, tiff and i went there and we were on our way out and there was a girl holding her morty doll she had a <laughs> doll of morty which you and, can buy which you can buy this and it wasn't like a etsy doll it was made specifically for Zen the Monkey show. studios and uh and she dropped it and, I, and she dropped he fell on the floor and i went oh geez you really you really dropped me on the floor there as I'm walking past her and she turned around like like for a second she thought maybe the doll had had, had come to life. Yep. It was really funny, but it's destroyed me. I'm literally <laughs> like it's it, I I make these references. I fucking the Gazorpazorp fucking field joke. Yeah, which has also been a long running thing from Channel 101 and Harlan or Harmon and Royland. They're, they love Garfield, and Harmon has said <laughs> it's the only thing he can draw. Aw. That's amazing. By the way, quick uh, shout-out. Also, hey. Also. Oh, thank you, Master Yoda. You are awesome as well, my friend. But, uh, yeah, man. I don't give a fuck. I'm Gazorpazor fucking field, bitch. <laughs> give me my fucking enchiladas. Yep. It's unbelievable. It's, it's like, wait, do you guys like Garfield or do you not like Garfield? I can't tell anymore. I think as a fan of Garfield and Friends, but not a fan of the strip, I can safely say that anyone who likes Garfield also secretly hates Garfield. <laughs> I'll tell you this, like, I think that Heathcliff should die in a fire, but I do also, like, have zero respect, but infinite respect for Jim Davis. <laughs> That too, because Jim Davis, I, I, right? He he creates this one note joke. It should have lasted like a year. It, it's horrible joke. Fat cat likes food he shouldn't be eating, and Mondays. a miserable, perpetually single like failure of a man talks to his cat. That's the joke. And then he he turned it into an empire where he doesn't even draw the fucking thing. He trained dozens of people to all draw exactly like him. Yep. To keep the strip going, he it could go forever. They'll never stop making Garfield. It's amazing. It is amazing. Uh, I guess one of my favorite things, too, about uh, Rick and Morty, and it's something the chat has brought up, too, it is wonderfully, amazingly 
nihilistic yes. in its way. Like it might actually be one of the darkest shows on television and yet it completely embraces that darkness and it completely embraces the absurdism of a universe and a multiverse with endless, endless possibilities. The nihilism fact for me is kind of interesting because I remember people talking about like how uh, the episode with Unity was had the mm. darkest ending ever. And in fact, if you, well, you if you look up himself. that ending, it's called the darkest ending of any of any show. <laughs> First of all, no, it's not. Second of all, uh, I think that. It's actually, I think that their nihilism has gone so far, like, it's broken the needle and come out through the other side. It's true. Where Rick understands that no choice he makes matters because there's an infinite number, or there, there's not an infinite number, but there's a, there's so many of them it makes him irrelevant. Yeah. Um, and, but through that it motivates him to make him the most singular among his multiples. Mm-hmm. I am the most Rick Rick. And if you'll also recognize the fact that there's like this element in the show, there's this, there's this persistent theme of ice cream yes. throughout Rick and Morty. It is one of the few things that gives Rick genuine joy. It's true. He and does he like pursues it. it like people pursue like their dream career. You know, and it reminds me of the Calvin and Hobbes strip where Calvin and Hobbes are, uh, are in the woods and Calvin asks Hobbes, if you could have one wish, what could it be? And Hobbes wishes for a sandwich, and mm-hmm. then Calvin gives him a really hard time, and he's like, "I have a sandwich! What a ridiculous wish! I would wish for my own private island and, a, and, a, and an army and missiles and you know all this stuff." And then at the end of the strip, Hobbes gets the sandwich and he eats it, and he says, "I got my wish." And it's a little metaphor about how it's like, you know, you should set. Like, I guess like, well, you could set your sights a little lower, but more like be realistic about the things you can accomplish. Yeah. And Rick is like, I can't matter in the universe but at least i can have ice cream and there's something beautiful and simplistic and and joyful about that ice cream is funny too because it's the end result of chemistry it's rock salt and cream and everything else coming together and it's great but it's also fleeting isn't it it will also melt it's incredibly fragile yeah but it's also everywhere and you yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're never too far from ice cream true and even when ice cream is bad it's still pretty good (laughs) it's true so uh while there is like this big this big theme of nihilism i think there's also an undercurrent of hope which there really is which for me is like the marriage of roiland and Harmon. because roiland i think if if you just gave roiland nothing you could see it you could see what rick and morty's like with no dan Harmon, and it's the doc and marty sketches where it's just children masturbating old men Yep, what? Yep. That's what it is. Look it up. But uh, maybe not, you know, maybe use incognito. But the uh, but with Dan Harmon, he's like, no, but there is an undercurrent of meaning, like, within it. And that... They, they are it... yin and yang. They are order and chaos in many ways. It's why I can enjoy Channel 101, but why I'm not, like, rabidly interested in it. Same. Because, yeah, like, it's... I, I, I think that while Channel 101 is a great, a great predecessor to Rick and Morty, without the Harmon effect, you don't have quite the, the perfection that the show has become. That's why I'm also almost a little worried about Dan Same. Harmon's rabid dedication to making the best possible show he has. Yeah, yeah. Like, I trust the creative process, and I trust my creators to be as good as they're going to be. You know, like, you, you, you've written papers before. 
Oh yeah. For for scholastic endeavors. Most uh, definitely. You know, double spaced. Right. Well, of course. But uh, <laughs> but if you if you're gonna work on a paper, you know, I have a little bit of a philosophy where I'm like. This paper is going to be as good as it's going to be, and no amount of me like dreading it, worrying about it, or like writing note cards and doing all this bullshit is going to make the paper any better. And while it might be structurally better, it might have more cogent ideas. If I'm writing it and it's from my perspective, and it's like especially if it's an opinion, it's not going to be any any better than it would have been if I had put 17 hours into it, yeah. or if I had dedicated 10 hours to sleeping and you know five hours to writing and two hours to ice cream you know like <laughs> there needs to be a balance and i, I think uh, a perfect yeah. example of this is in the mr meeseeks episode where when they talked about writing that particular episode Royland was getting really frustrated and agitated where it's like this isn't fun writing's supposed to be fun he then apparently started rolling on the floor like a toddler going i'm mr meeseeks look at me and instead of like getting mad at this Dan Harmon told the other writers, okay, his name is Mr. Meeseeks. We have to work with him on this. Okay, tell us more about Mr. Meeseeks. Exactly. No, like, that's... I mean, you need to be frustrated. Like, you need to be put into a box to find your way out. Yeah. But that's exactly, like... That's exactly the encompassing, like, element that I'm talking about. It, that That's what the show is. The show is just, like, it's brilliant... Because they're not trying to be brilliant. Yes, absolutely. And in some cases, when fans are like, oh, I, I love the continuity and the lore and the evil Morty and the Council of Ricks and everything else. You know, when are you going to go back to that? Harmon and Roiland's response, I think, is really profound where they're like, well, we could do that. Or we could show you some new shit. Or we could burn it all down. Right, exactly. Uh, and indeed they do. And indeed they do. I love the, the opening of season three. He's like, no more of that. Like, great, but good, get rid of they it. They give closure to all of it, then they destroy it. Yeah, and then they move on. I mean, like, you you know that we're never going to see uh, the the alien that Steve uh, Steve Colbert voiced, because Steve Colbert doesn't come back to do voices after he does it the first time. He doesn't. Uh, we know that from Venture Brothers. It's true. And in fact, if you ever, like, look that up, uh, I remember they asked Steve Colbert to come back to play Mr. Impossible again, and he was like... And he was like, oh, uh, and he didn't respond, but his publicist did, and his publicist <laughs> said something to the effect of, Mr. Colbert believes that he has done all he can with that character. And I'm like, Jesus. fuck you, way to, like, like, not say anything. He's like Jim Morrison in The Doors, man, I already played that show. <laughs> yeah, man, I played Mr. Impossible. Moving on. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but, all right, so... Now we talk about a little bit. We talked a little bit about why we like Rick and Morty so much because it's mm -hmm. it's genuine, it's real, it is. But it also has that wonderful element of sci-fi fantastic, mm. which we mm. love. Oh yeah, and they really mine some great episodes out of it. Like they have the Purge episode and the Space Parasite episode, which I think is one of the best like twenty-two minutes of television I've seen in a science fiction setting. Yes, uh, that's the thing is that every episode like. I can throw on any episode of either season, and there's no episode where I go, no, oh, it's this one. It's true. They're all really well put together, really well assembled. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm, I'm like, I'm in awe of that, but it's also, for me, it's the Simpsons effect, where it's like, mm -hmm. listen, seasons three, four, I don't have to, I don't have to skip an episode. Yeah, Rick and Morty, seasons one and two, I don't have to skip an episode. Um, I'm hopeful that season three is as good as seasons one and two. 
Definitely. But I don't want them to worry about it. I want them to just keep making the show the way they've been doing. You've already nailed it. Stop drilling. You've hit oil. Like, just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would hate to think that they were like, okay, uh, I, I mined, you know, I, I, I stripped down everything that was me and I, and I farmed this amazing season. Uh, now what am I going to do for season four? Like, no, just do what you do best. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't feel... You know, don't don't let it drag you down. Yeah. Um, you now we've seen uh, a couple of I'm sure you've watched them the the live Rick and Morty readings and like yes. improv episodes yes. at at uh, at cons. Mm-hmm. Yep, they've been all over the place touring that around. Uh, first of all, it's fun. I love that. What's it called? Uh, I love that Royland has no patience for them. Yep. True. Um, especially when they're like, there's an episode where they're like, okay, now we're just going to improv an episode. Like, here's the seat. And Royland does everything he can to fuck with it. Oh yeah. Uh, I love that, but I also feel really bad because they usually bring in, um, Chris Parnell Mm. and the amazing voice of Beth, whose name escapes me. And I feel really bad about that. It's a really good cast. Parnell's been having a great, uh, like cartoon resurgence ever since he left SNL. He's nailed like a couple really good gigs. Yeah. Uh, but the voice cast for the show is, uh, Sarah Chalk. Yes. Thank you. Uh, But the voice cast for the show is so great. And they're all so singularly funny and insightful. They, they, there, there's no ego bullshit no. when it comes to this show. But they're always so marginalized whenever they do the live shit because people just want to watch Royland do Rick and Morty and have them yell at each other. Yep, which um, they do. Which they do. Um, but I think one of my favorite characters is Beth. Yeah, there's a lot going on with Beth as a character. Beth is an amazing is is an amazing character that would exist in a Dan Harmon like rom-com or sitcom or legitimately legitimate thing hey the mod king mopey just jumped in a thousand years sal and jolie <laughs> yes that hey a- animate that i want to see it. that art now of of me as rick and joel as morty <laughs> we've had some killer fan art uh, thanks to md kex who really right. took it upon himself to make uh what is it red bat yeah canadian batman become a thing but uh, but I always feel bad that they're never that they never get like their due because they're always so great. Summer, her voice uh, actor is amazing. Um, Summer's had a great evolution from just being the you know kind of mean sister to actually going on adventures and forging her own interesting relationship with Rick that's completely different from his relationship with Morty. Completely. Yeah, she doesn't take his shit a lot of the time, and yet she needs his help a lot of the time too. It's true. Well, she's she's the perfect teenager because she thinks she is on top of everything. Like she thinks she knows where she is, but she clearly doesn't. It's it's the the effortlessness that it seems exists in the show is a testament to the amount of work that goes into it. You know, like it feels oh, obvious. Like anyone can do a Rick and Morty impression. As evident by the last time we were at New York Comic Con, and I bumped into <laughs> all of those Ricks. So many Ricks. Ran into a Lady council. Ricks, man Ricks. I ran into a council of Ricks. It was just a thousand Ricks. I was wearing a Rick and Morty shirt, which Tiffany, I think, had purchased for me at the time, at, at the con. And uh, and they were like, oh, geez, look, somebody's got another Rick shirt. Like, I'm just <laughs> like, okay, that was fun. But, like, you know, they the show makes it seem like it's easy to be Rick, but it's not. 
Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting too that Roiland, one of the creators, is the voice of both Rick and Morty. He had to fight tooth and nail for that. They did not want him to do the voice of either really? character, let alone both. Yeah, I had no idea about that. That's amazing. Oh, he, him, and Harmon had to fight super hard for that. They're like, no, we want to get a more marquee voice actor to put on the thing. And of course, Harlan and or Roylan and Harmon both said too. they think one of the big reasons they didn't want him to do that is they didn't want him to have like Seth MacFarlane power in the, Oh, I do the voice. I write, I'm a creator. I am literally indispensable. You can never get rid of me. Yeah. Well, you know what? I like when that happens. <laughs> it's true. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, the voices are amazing. The car- the cast is spectacular. Uh, let's talk about some favorite episodes. It's hard to pick because they're so good. Yeah, but I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'll let you go first, and I'm sure we have many of the same favorite episodes. Okay, okay. Mr. Meeseeks, uh, Meeseeks and Destroy mm-hmm. is, I think, my favorite episode. I don't, I don't want to say it's because, like, you know, I mean, like, here's the thing. It's my favorite episode because, A, I can watch it anytime. B, it is, I think, the perfect introduction to the show. Yeah, that's the one I knew I was a lifer. It's like, okay, you got me now, show. I'm in. That's the episode I think we showed to Ethan, and he was like, well, I'm obsessed with this show now. Mm-hmm. Immediately, it, we just good. had to show Me, Seeks, and Destroy, and he went out. Like, he went home, he's like, cool, that was a fun show. And then went home and watched all of it, <laughs> and then read about it, and became a fan. Like, I think that that's the thing. It has this kind of amazing, um, infectious quality to it, because it's so... It's so clever. It really does. I mean, even just the idea of me seeks as characters where it's like, yeah, they're creatures born into this world, not wanting for purpose. They have a single thing they need to do so they can die. And when they can't complete that task, it is a hell on earth. Yeah. He just exploded. Trust me. They're they're fine with it. (laughs) They're super okay with it. (laughs) It's like, look, guys, you need to be really vague with these. Yeah. I love how Rick does not give the amount of information they need in order to effectively use what they have properly he does that every time with everything they do it's true it really is and and, you know uh what is it beth and summers are equally uh what is it vague you know i want to be popular i want to you know feel like a more complete woman and yet they're able to deal with their problems much easier than they are taking strokes off jerry's golf game (laughs) yeah well because you can be convinced of your absolution better than you can legitimately develop a skill (laughs) it's true it really is true and once again too showing that jerry is forever the wrench into these things yeah oh my god oh the fact that in um the episode with the simulations um, oh yes i don't remember which one that is because they all have obnoxiously uh, difficult to remember and difficult to connect to the actual theme they're all titles names that one was uh, M. Night Shama Aliens. Is Thank you. Was. Okay. Which I only know because they're making fun of M. Night Shyamalan. Right, yes. But uh, but that's great because you think that it's about Rick and Morty, but it's actually about, about Jerry. Yeah. That's a, a great episode. episode. That's a great character study for Jerry, where Jerry gets to experience what it's like to actually succeed. Mm-hmm. It's fucking sad. <laughs> all of, my greatest day was all the simulation running at half power. Yeah. The the I actually was just watching it the other day when the apple e disappears and he just tries to get it where he grasps at nothing. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's sad. sad. It's so sad. Like it's that's... that's more sad than Rick being rejected by Unity. Yeah, and trying to kill himself. It's funny that episode too reminds you 
that Rick is actually not to be fucked with and that Rick's is so smart that like it actually brings a lot of danger. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about the episode with the Apple? Like Yeah, where uh, where he ends up blowing up the scammer ship and everything. Yeah, yeah. Well I should ask the smart like, people in the universe. Oh yeah, you can't. They blew up. They blew up, <laughs> yeah. Not only is like he really good, but he's also kind of dangerous. Yes. Which they just it's funny, they they hint at it throughout the whole series, and then I think in the the first episode of season three, they just outright say, He's the smartest man in the universe, he can't be fucked with, we have to do like we have to deal with it. It's it's kind of amazing. It really is like a Reed Richards type thing, which is fitting because they have the Council of Ricks, which is just totally taken from the Council of Reeds. It's the Council of Reeds, but with like the aesthetic of the Council from Krypton. And Doctor Who. That's the thing. They dress like the Gallifreyans as well, too. It's amazing. No, it's... Which people have made that comparison to old man travels through space in a craft with companions getting into adventures. He is a lot like Doctor Who in a way, but a really fucked up American Doctor Who. Right. The difference is I want to watch Rick and Morty. <laughs> mm. I've tried with Doctor Who several times. I watched many seasons, but it never clicked with me. Yeah, I have definitely watched uh, Doctor Who. I think I watched a good ten minutes of one episode and was like... No, don't I care about one of those this. things you had to grow up with. Is I really thing. did. I really needed to be to be hamstrung by my family and being forced to watch it. And it's a cultural thing too. It's a yeah. very like it's part of the British identity. This is true. Yeah. No, that's the other thing is that like here's the thing. As an American, I feel like a tool, liking <laughs> Doctor. I'm like that's not even for me. <laughs> I mean, hey, there's there's like old ass men in British Parliament who are like, okay, we need to get this meeting done quick because the new Doctor Who's on. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like a show's influence on the culture where they have to where that happens. Yeah, just, the, even to the halls of power where it's like, no, no, no. There's dudes in their seventies who have been watching since they were like six. Exactly, really and when they weren't watching, they were listening to the radio broadcasts of the show. That uh, too. Another one that uh, that blows my mind, of course, is uh, is, is get Swifty. Oh, yeah. Which is the only one that has nothing to do with any of these titles. It's true. I, I, I love that one, too, because you get to hear Dan Harmon's iced tea voice, which is so on point, I thought it was actually iced tea. <laughs> you made me care more. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just can't go, you know, uh, what is it, floating through space, not caring about things. <laughs> <laughs> man, overdeveloped, underdeveloped, a bad song is a bad, a song. bad song. Oh, man, we're all out of original Fig Newtons. <laughs> Man, you didn't I, tell me you were fucking around with portals and shit. Apparently when the real Ice-T heard about that, he's like, well, why didn't they ask me to be on it? I would have been, <laughs> I, I been on it. I, you I know like, why? Like because it's paid. funnier to hear a be, to be, to hear a pretty accurate Ice-T impression. It's more deprecating. From an old-ass, bearded white man. Yeah. I better you, crunch the numbers. If you love that, you need it's on YouTube. You need to find uh, Harmontown Ice T D and D, where he's, he's like, "Okay, I'll be Ice T, but as a dungeon master." All right, so you're in a forest, right? And they're these goblins and shit, right? <laughs> it's pretty amazing. See, for that, just get Ice T. I want that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Harmon and uh, the other guy that 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 skinny comedian that I like so much. Do a really, really solid Ice-T impression. Mm -hmm. oh, well. uh, that's also an episode, too, based around songs and music, because apparently both Harmon and Roiland love improving rap songs. That's funny. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, apparently Get Swifty, even to that song that we all love so much, wasn't even intended for that episode. That was another project that was just Royland screwing around. They needed, like, background songs or something. <laughs> and he just out of nowhere started saying, Get Swifty, it's Swifty time today. And they're like, that's too perfect. We need to put that in something. That's That episode is so funny for every reason that you can think of. Um I like Beth's subplot. I like the indifference of the heads. I like how like annoyed they get about like really about random religion. things. Hmm? It's also an episode about religion. Yes. I love uh, Keith David playing the president and oh, how into how into Shrift he gets. Clarence Boddicker as the vice president or as the evil general. That yes, was fun the evil too. general. <laughs> Science fiction royalty in that episode. Yeah, it's gold. I just love that. Well, I gotta make sure that Rick's got everything he needs to get Swifty. Like, what are you doing? Get Swifty was a jam. <laughs> oh no, all the celebrities were killed. What are we gonna do now? Yeah, we have iced tea. And God this damn. old man. Also, too, that episode is interesting, too, because that's Rick and Morty using their skills and having an adventure to literally save the world. Yeah. And yet, even after they save the world, they don't become heroes or celebrities. They're just back to life as normal. And they don't, uh, they, they don't grow. <laughs> no, no, they don't. That was just another day at the office for them. I like that a lot. I also like that they don't, like, do bullshit. Like, the only acknowledgement to the annoying sci-fi trope of, like, you know, normal people save the world, we have to keep it a secret, is when Morty's like, can I get a selfie? And he's like, uh, no. <laughs> and then just <laughs> breaks his phone. That's pretty good. It's, crazy. it's also funny, too, because up until that point, I'm like, wait, are Rick and Morty trying to, like, hide the adventures they're having? No, no, everyone knows they just don't care. Right. Exactly! No, the, uh, yeah. There's one every season. <laughs> well, it's, oh, like, get swifty, get swifty, right? It's not brilliant. It's not, like, actual music. It's just him fucking around. But A, it's really catchy, and B, it's really funny. And mm. C, even in the show, they acknowledge how not funny how, like, not great it is when they do the song and the head just goes, hmm. Like, <laughs> he Acceptable. doesn't... You know, he just says, like, hmm. Like, yeah, okay, that's fair. <laughs> like, he is the audience, where it's like, all right, for, for, they had to think of that on the spot, I'll give it to him. Even the head it's, does. It's also, too, you know, when you unpack the giant heads, too, there's something... In any other context... They would be fucking horrifying, this race that has evolved to this giant level where the only thing they care about is entertainment and being entertained, and they will destroy whole universes just to get a little uh, excitement. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's like, like that could be a Star Trek episode where they took it 100% seriously. No, totally. I think it is an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, I was like, yeah. <laughs> People are quoting Mr. Boldops in the comments, just... That, that I think was, maybe, I don't remember if it was, I think it was Me, Six, and Destroy, and then it was Get Swifty, and I was like, I'm, I'm sold on this show. Um, Mr. Mr. Bulldogs. Question Mr. mark. What does that mean? Don't analyze You're... it, Nathan, it's working. <laughs> so what about uh, you? What are some of your favorites? Oh, jeez, I mean, always, they're so uh, good, they're I, all of them. Like, <laughs> they, they, they really are. I mean, I, I come back to the Purge episode, because I'm actually a fan of the Purge movies, and I like <laughs> that it's a parody, but it's also kind of a loving parody of it, and also kind of acknowledging where it's like, yeah, I mean, we've had this in fiction for a bit, you know, what What if there was just a crazy kill night? Yeah. Okay. Plus, you get that bit with that idiot reading his screenplay. <laughs> And, and Morty trying to be nice about it. Like, we've all been there. We've all been Morty in that situation. Yes. And the fact that... Okay. 
I, I've never, I, I uh, there's a few things that have made me laugh, like, through a show. Like, through a commercial break back to the, when the show comes back. One of them was when Mr. Burns cripples the Irishman in the <laughs> flashback. <laughs> oh, when, he, he, when he's got the little strawberry curls and he's in the bumper car and he just keeps crippling the Irishman. And Mr. Burns laughing all through his life and then being like, no, Smithers, what was I laughing at now? Oh, yes, that crippled Irishman and then getting right back into it. Yep. Uh, the <laughs> the uh, Morty pushing the lighthouse keeper down the stairs... And then, first of all, the hilarious, like, sound effect of him being, like, <laughs> just him falling down the stairs. And then him going, you like that? You lo- you want me to ca- you want me to cut to three weeks earlier when you were alive? <laughs> I was destroyed as a person. I was a broken JPEG. And I, 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 I god damn it. Like, it's, but it's so, f- it, there are so few moments where that happens for me in life. But mm-hmm. so many moments where that happens to me in this show. That's that's a great too. Now that I stop and think about, it. I like that episode too, because it's actually quite a character growth episode for Morty. Yeah. That in the fart episode are times when Morty <laughs> actually tries to like go against Rick and actually tries to do some good and like does like the like cliche trademark heroic thing. Only every time it blows up in his face in a massive massive way, he totally makes things worse. But what's great about that episode is that I think that one seeks to imply Morty has way more Rick in him than he would like to admit. That's true. I Okay, so the analyses of Morty's morality is kind of fascinating because if Morty becomes more like Rick, you get evil Morty. Yeah. If Morty Yeah, if Morty loses the innate morality that he that he keeps, you know, he becomes something else. Like he's he's corrupted. But I really like this proto like the the main Morty because this mm-hmm. Morty has a balance where he's like already it's only been two seasons he's already on he already knows like everything about Rick. He he knows how to predict rick and counteract him he knows it's gonna happen better than most people yeah he's he's already a hundred percent like convinced about what's gonna happen he's like uh he's like when you're watching american dad and you're like oh roger's gonna help them this is going to result in roger being a monster and he's gonna fuck everything up always like rick all i'm sorry morty already knows what rick's going to do and how he's gonna do it and how it's it might benefit himself and it and and tangentially relate to him but he yeah. knows that if he goes against the grain it's not going to work um and be and because of the very few circumstances where he has done the opposite of what rick said like you said and 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 then and then ultimately had to do what rick wanted to do in the first place which rick didn't even want to do in the first place as well like that's the other thing is that rick's like True. rick's like if you just listen to me you'd be you'd be fine but you wanted to do like Morty wanted to go on the adventure, whereas Rick's like, no, like you go on adventures with me. When you're not with me, you live a normal life. Yeah. When you want to do something like that, then then you get almost raped by a jelly bean. Yes, which is another holdover from a Channel 101 sketch. Yes, uh, but if you had just stayed at the arcade with me, we would have had a great time. We would have had a great time, like. Rick and Morty Prime, as evident by the uh, that dude on the uh, on his YouTube channel, who was like, who brilliantly pointed out that like in that Blitz and Chips episode, the Rick and Morty that we see, the whole episode where they kill Fard and they destroy uh, uh, Gearhead and his oh, yeah, entire gear, gear world, get his entire world, that that's not the main Rick and Morty. That that's like one of the tangent Rick and Mortys, and that real Rick and Morty like had an okay time. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, well, the, I, I think they're going to get into that in the future. We'll uh, we'll see where that goes. But like, but Morty going off the beaten path is not beneficial for anybody. It's it's almost entirely disastrous every time he tries. Yeah. But I like that Morty also has, like, the understanding that he needs to do what Rick does. Like, when he's like, I have to kill Fart now. Yeah. Like, he knows what to do and he does it. And it's kind of cool. Like It's a total what would Rick do moment. Yeah, well, he... I don't even know if Morty thinks but that Rick wants to do it. I think he's just like, I have to kill you because you're going to destroy all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Rick wouldn't have even been involved. Yeah. You know, Rick would have been like... I mean, literally, Rick was like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll live until we die, possibly by heart disease or vampire. <laughs> you know, that, uh, that episode, too, also features one of my favorite side characters, Crombopulous Michael, the very upbeat alien assassin. Hey, I just love killing. <laughs> oh, boy, here I go killing again. Which I agree. What's great about that too, and how layered this show is, they imply a greater history of Combrapulus uh, Michael because he has the little heart lock, and he opens up, and he does like his Thane Krios from Mass Effect Battle Prayer. Yes, he, he has a thing. picture of this this woman, whoever she is. I'm assuming he's just Thane Krios from Mass Effect. He had a wife, she died, and now he's in like an alien battle sleep. Yeah, amazing. And what's great is, like, he might come back, or not. Like, who cares? I, I I really like that element where we don't need to... Like, I'm I'm actually kind of amazed at the amount of attention Bird Person has gotten. Definitely. Well, because Harmon does his voice, I'm sure. Yeah, but, like, Harmon could play anybody. It's Roiland and Harmon play most of the side characters anyway. But I, I'm, I'm always amazed, like, when they introduce Bird Person in the beginning, like, in the at the end of season one, where he's just like, it's been a difficult mating season for bird person and then him be tammy and then he leaves i just that's amazing and really funny and that they keep coming back to that i wonder if they had plotted that whole season out if they knew that's what the arc was going to be or if it just ended up being that way i guarantee you they were not planning on doing anything with uh with bird person until they just enjoyed doing it i i guarantee you that Harmon just liked doing the voice and they were like let's just put him in, let's put more bird person in and again, implying a greater history between him and Rick that they were, like, young together. They were in a band with Squanchy. But that's the thing. For me, I'm like, why? Like, uh, we don't need more information about Bird. The fact that they, like, do, that they brought in Phoenix Person, I'm like, do we need <laughs> do we need to do more Bird Person? I thought we were And we might never him. even see Phoenix Person ever again. But that's, and I think that's the strength of the show is, like, you got, you, you, we've, we've, we've reached the glass ceiling with Bird Person Phoenix person is going to show up like we're not going to do. Like, I, I was really expecting, like, when they turned Chef into Darth Vader. Oh, yeah, then you never saw anything. They never did anything that. with that. I was like, because at the end of it, I'm like, are you really going to do a thing? We're like, I, nope. I think because the actor died not long afterwards. And I think they realized, yeah, a lot of this was pretty untasteful, what we did. Even for us, this was a little, <laughs> maybe no. Yeah, that's probably for the best. Um, but yeah, yeah and it's... also too, they probably didn't like getting sued by the Church of Scientology anymore. After that, they're probably like, "How many more lawsuits can we handle?" That's fair. <laughs> uh, don't be gross, Tammy. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's it is random debris. I found it in my carpet. I don't know what humans eat. What humans eat? <laughs> uh, on Bird World, we call that a dick move. <laughs> And also, too, Bird Person giving the insight to Rick's famous uh, anti-catchphrase of Wubba Lubba Dub Dub. Yep. In bird speak, that means help me. I'm, uh, what is it, in great pain? Yes, I'm in great pain. Please help me. Or something to that <laughs> effect. It's gold. Yeah, Rick's... Which, the also... Uh, 
Okay, yeah. But what what other what other elements do you want to tackle before we? Well, well I was gonna go say wubble up a dub dub that great anti catchphrase. You know how that came about? I, I I can guess, but feel free to tell me. The the idea was is that you know someone was just you know again writing gibberish into the script. What's a dumb thing for Rick to say? And they wanted to do like a Three Stooges curly whoop 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 whoop, whoop but someone wrote it down wrong. And because Royland is one of those guys who will read anything that's on the paper, right? He read it as wubble up a dub dub, and they're like, okay, that's your new catchphrase now. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Um, oh god, the Needful Things episode is fucking amazing. Mm. But that's also. His Wubba a Dub Dub is amazing in that one. When you, in the context of, like, I'm in great pain, please help me, when you first hear it, it's just funny. Like, it's just a funny catchphrase that really works. Um, but then you have, like, then you have his, the way that he, pres- I, I assume that the Wubba a Dub Dub thing came about later. Like, yeah. the me- the meaning of it. I mean, oh, absolutely! Like I assume it was just a catchphrase, and they were like, "Let's make it, let let's make it a cry for help as well." Sure, why not? <laughs> um, e- Eddie Dizon, thank you, man. Welcome to the uh, super chat. Says autoerotic asphyxiation was the first insight uh, on how Beth lost Rick in the first place. I believe. Yeah, I think it was too. I think you're right. That, yeah, he was absent for a good chunk of her life, which also begs the question, what about their mom, and how did she meet Rick, and what was that about, and will we ever get to see that, or does it not even matter? Because, like, in the first episode of season three, we think we're learning that only for Rick to be like, ha ha ha, fuck you, I'm unknowable. That's the thing, and what a great moment it was, because it wasn't... I think it was... When we, when we reveal the origin of Rick and his misery and the loss of like, it's utterly believable. Yeah. Oh, it sure is. It's to the point where I almost believe that it was part of the series Bible and then they threw it out. Yeah. It was almost too perfect where it's like, Oh, Rick is the cause of Rick's own suffering. That's what it's all about. Cause Beth and, uh, and, and his wife die in the simulated, you know, dream version of his origin and so he leaves. Yeah. And he just, like, and you imagine that later on he just slips in, later on, in a different, re- like, reality, in a different multiverse where he just takes over that Rick. Which he's done before, and as he said, can do again, but only a couple more times. Only a couple more times. And you're like, that's really cool. And then then they threw it away. And uh, and it, it's to the point where I was so enthralled with that concept and that idea and just seeing that little bit of mo- that little moment that I'm like, maybe there's some element of truth to it. Maybe blah, blah, blah. But the other thing is it doesn't matter. Like it, 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 the show is so brilliant and so clever that it almost like, I, I keep drawing comparisons to uh, venture brothers because venture brothers is another like adult show. That's kind of metatextual that mm-hmm. uses elements from our interests and then circumvents them and 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 transcends them, uh, but whereas Venture Brothers seeks to answer all the questions that nobody asked, Venture uh, Rick and Morty hint at questions, but ultimately the the inherent nihilism of the show betray that yeah. doesn't really matter. It's it's everything is absurd. It's the nothing happens on purpose. No one's what they should be, where they belong. Come watch TV. Yeah, it's. It's gold. Um, yeah, And also, too, sometimes, like, with the relationship between Beth and Jerry, which I think is the hardest-working B-plot in the show, they would also seek to argue where it's like, yeah, 
we live in a completely chaotic multiverse where anything can happen, and that's terrifying because nothing we do matters. But also, here's the thing. Chaos undercuts chaos, which means sometimes things do happen the way they're supposed to, and sometimes, too, incompatible people find love and have children and all this other stuff, and that's kind of what's beautiful about the universe. Right. Like, Beth and Jerry aren't necessarily destined for divorce, even if everyone who thinks they know what's going on thinks that's the natural conclusion of their relationship. Yeah. But at the same time, like d divorce is very beneficial for many people and it should be considered, uh, you know, if you're in a toxic relationship, but yeah. are they toxic? Are they codependent? Like the moment when they go on couples therapy. Love that. Is that the tiny Rick episode? Yes. Yes, it is. God, amazing episode. But uh, when they go with a couples therapy, and then it turns out, like, not, okay, so they're codependent, and that's, like, the the issue with their relationship. But then you see them working together, and you're like, they yeah. actually, like, the, when they both turn on their therapist. Mm -hmm. And I'm they like, save the day without Rex help. And save the day. Like, they, they conquer their problems, or at least they conquer the immediate problems. They don't conquer <laughs> the, the problems between them, the two of them. You know, it's just kind of amazing. But they like, don't get killed by monsters. But they don't get killed by monsters. That's really great. Um... And I, I just as Mod King Mopey says there, are they toxic or is Rick in their head? I don't know if Rick is in their head. I think that everyone else, because even uh, even Blim Blam the Flimflarp tells them that their relate that their relationship is toxic and they shouldn't they're be. They're the worst people he's ever met, and he like eats babies. <laughs> I'm Blim Blam the Flimflarp. Uh, <laughs> by the way, every alien race is just them in the booth going blah blah. Like it's just them making noise. Oh yeah, of course. I, I am. I am utterly convinced. I haven't listened to any of the of, of, of the commentaries, but I'm utterly convinced that like every every new thing they have to create. Oh, we got to invent a word for this. They just go. Ah, uh, they just Rolf. And if you're not familiar with Rolfing, it's where you don't think of the thing you're about to say and you just let whatever noise comes out of your mouth, and then that becomes the word. Plumbus. Yeah, plumbus. And and then a schlami comes, and then uh, Spits covers on it. it with schleem. By the way, the the today on how they do it perfect representation oh, of how it's made. I've never seen how it's made parodied better than in that moment. It's really, really good. By the way, I don't want a plumbus at all. Like, they're I so don't... gross. It, it's basically like they say, like, I bet we could put a penis on TV. I bet we could do that. Like, how, how close can we get to it before standards and practices step in? I think I saw someone, I think, I, I know I saw uh, Roiland, I think he was either looking at plumbuses either drawings or 3d printings of them or whatever but he's going through them all and he's like no that's just a dick that's not even that's not a plumbus that's just a dick with like a with with some cauliflower on the top like he was immediately like he is that's that's the kind of dedication and, and fanaticism for their own creations that i like mm -hmm. where yeah. i'm like he he's like no it's i uh, yes we are making a joke about a dick but it's not really a dick, though. It's this thing that I specifically designed that is this. Like, it's just... Ugh, I love them. It's, it's really put together. You know, apparently Roiland really loves VR, and he's really pushing for, like, Rick and Morty virtual reality and stuff. That's, like, one of his side passions. Roiland apparently is a big fan of video games and has always wanted to work with them. All um, those Nintendo jokes. Apparently, that's just a real conversation he had in the writer's room about, hey, they got this thing on for Nintendo DSs so we can all get Nintendo DSs. <laughs> we love Nintendo DS. <laughs> send us some. Hey, Nintendo, please send us stuff. <laughs> um, what was it? My uh, A friend of mine is in the video game industry, actually, was approached by Justin Roiland. Oh, shit. 
he was like, or he missed him or something like that. But Royland is like really, really plugged into the video game scene. And like, mm-hmm. he goes to like PAX East and stuff and like goes to con- like video game cons. And he's like, what are you guys working on? What are you doing? And like, just, and just, uh, he was, he liked something that my friend did. And he was like, where am my friend kept missing him? And he's the guy who tried to get me into Rick and Morty in the first place. So like, mm. I'm like, I'm sorry. You missed him, man. That sucks. But uh, see, see, I would really want to hang out with Harmon and meet him, but I don't know if I'd want to like hang out with Royland for too long because he genuinely seems like a madman. But yeah. that's like part of his charm. The line between insanity and genius is a thin one, thinner for some than others. It's true. Well, I think that the trick is you have to make. I've dealt with people like him before, or at least what he seems to be, and the trick is to make your environment as like. Uh, as effort free as possible. Like yeah. he, everything has to be ideal for them in order for them to enjoy it. Like you, you know, whatever time you want to get together, whatever instance you want to do that, however, whatever drink you want to have on tap, like we'll have that ready to go so that he can just be there and just be himself instead of being like, you need to fix it. I need you to fit in this box and do this one thing. Like totally. Harmon's very used to that. You can tell Harmon's like, yeah, I know how to do that. Like Harmon's, he's, he, he's the order keeper. He's Har- the reasons like, you know, I, I can ring genius out of Royland, but I gotta like, really work at it well he's yeah well he's played the game he knows that the game is played he knows the players in that game and he knows that sometimes you have to play it and sometimes you need somebody who's fucking out of their mind like that guy there's there's a perfect example too i think for one of the episodes coming up in season three they tackle they do like an episode about rick's alcoholism but without actually making it about alcoholism but one of the things they had to do is that roiland wanted to actually get drunk while recording yeah and there's this great behind the scene footage of like the you know head artist and the VO person being like this is this is horrible how are, we can't wrangle this guy at the best of times right now he's doing tequila shots and then they cross on over to Harmon and he's like oh no you had to wrangle Justin Roiland for a day oh I feel so bad for you oh <laughs> tiny violin <laughs> <laughs> that's fair so clearly he is his friend and he does wrangle him a lot <laughs> right he's like yeah I need to rein him in man. But thank God they're they are they are amazing uh, creators, and the two of them are lightning in a bottle. They complete each other in a really interesting way. It's one of those things where the two of them work together to make something amazing, um, and God help them and maintain their relationship because we yeah, need absolutely. It. It's not like where Gravity Falls, where it's like just get Alex Hirsch in a room and he'll give you brilliant, beautiful, go- like gorgeous cartoons. Like, mm-hmm. by the way, apparently Hirsch and Royland are friends. Yes, they are. And that's why you see little crossovers every so often between the shows. Yeah. Pick up uh, pick up the Gravity Falls uh, journal and you'll see a whole bunch of Rick and Morty references in there. Yeah, there's some portals where some stuff goes back and forth. There was a character with like uh, like rainbow suspenders yes. who was in the background of a couple shows that they had planned to make so much better. It was Royland Hirsch and a third guy who did an animated show for Fox that was completed but, like, Fox is sitting on it and refuses to release it. That sucks. And it's been done for years, and apparently that was supposed to be the third piece of this triumvirate that brings it all together. Yeah. Fucking Fox, man. Thank God uh, Adult Swim exists. I know, right? Because there wouldn't be half these shows. No, no, there really wouldn't be. And FX is doing a good job, too, right now, even though it's basically just Archer. But, hey, Archer's pretty good. Yeah, and I guess and those Archer be- are the Archer guys making the Deadpool show? Uh, I'm sure it has to be some of them. It's Donald Glover and some other people involved with it, but I can only imagine they're going to be involved because that's the animation people they know. Yeah. Apparently Reed had pitched another show, like a Mad Max comedy starring two women, 
there's only ever been like pictures of the pilot floating around. It never got released and they like turned it down at the pilot stage, mm. which is weird because I'm like, I want to see that. I want to see like a Road Warrior comedy. I would love to see that. Are you kidding? There's a lot of funny stuff you could do in Mad Max <laughs> land. Yeah. Where it's like, geez, you know, so everyone just started wearing leather one day out of nowhere. Where did they find all these, you know, all this leather fetish gear and like uh, shoulder pads? Right. So, yeah, uh, Rick and Morty, great show. If you haven't watched it, we've spoiled a bunch of it, but watch it. Check it out. Um, really good. The Season 3 starts the 30th of this month. J- July 30th, watch it. It's going to be, I mean, let me tell you something. Like, the pilot, ep- or not the pilot, the first episode of Season 3. Released on April Fool's Day, which they said they didn't quite understand why Adult Swim wanted to do that, but everybody loved it. Yeah. It was a great trick. I remember telling you about it. It's like, Sal, Sal, they're streaming, like, the first episode of season three in Rick and Morty, and you're like, Joel, fuck off. That's not real. Why nope. would you lie to me like that? I completely didn't believe it. I was like, no. And my Twitter feed blew up. People were like, no, it's real. And I'm like, because uh, I made plans that day. I was like, I'm going out. I'm not I'm not going to fucking. And then I missed it. And then, uh, actually, my, my buddy who got me into the show, he ripped the show, and he sent me a copy of it. But we also go. recorded, we recorded, we were watching, we were, we were DVRing Samurai, Samurai Jack. Yeah, there you go. And, and we got a full episode episodes. of Rick and Morty instead. <laughs> I, I wonder how, uh, what is it? I wonder how Tartakovsky felt about that, where he's like, look, I love, uh, you know, I love friggin' Rick and Morty too, guys, but like, it took me a decade to finish Samurai Jack and you're preempting me. Yeah, I would've been pretty pissed. Um, I, I wonder if there's cartoonist heat now between Tartakovsky and the Rick and Morty people. Yeah. Oh, you know, we didn't even talk about the Rick and Morty comics. Oh, yes. They're actually pretty good. Yeah. I hear they need to get approval before they the scripts they go do. to, like, drawing. They do. Whatever. They feel like they could all be episodes. I've re- Here's the thing. I've read uh, the first couple of issues. It feels like a tamer version of the show. A little bit. And... While I I like it, I don't know if I like it as much as the show. Eh, you know, they, they they do feel like good side story tie-ins. The, the bit that made me laugh is they run into a, t- a time cop there called Dr. Clock, who is literally just a Doctor Who stand-in. Yes, I've seen that character. That was... And they're like, really, your name is Doc Clock? Seriously, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible name. Yeah. I, uh, but yeah, it's a good, sh- it's a good strip, or uh, rather a good book, um, if you poopy butthole in summer got a whole side adventure. Yeah, I think that the idea here is like, it'll it, it's a it's a great stand-in for the for the show and its absence. Like, yeah. You know, if you're missing the show, read the comic. It'll be a good stand-in. Although even then, like the dudes, like they they love their their creation so much, they're totally happy to do stuff with them. Like, there's mm-hmm. Rick and Morty voice mods for like yes. for video games. Uh, so good. There's uh, there's those amazing bumpers. They made a Alien Covenant short. I saw that. Which is really funny. I loved it. Um, everything they're doing is just great. It's just the, their, their merch game is pretty good. They got multiple board games. I know Harmon and Royland were joking, being like, "Hey, if you want nine seasons of this show and your Mulan Szechuan sauce, be sure to pick up your Hot Topic Rick slippers." <laughs> So we can get small, small cuts of that. Yeah. Listen, I don't know if Hot Topic sales are the way to save your show. I saw a thousand Gur dolls and toys and friggin' towels and shirts and Invader Zim garbage that didn't save that show ever. Like <laughs> you, uh, you, you know all that elite stuff I wear, if ever you see me around wearing that? Apparently they inked a very profitable deal with Hot Topic to hold all their shit now. Okay. 
Yeah, so I feel good for those guys. I've been buying shit like from their wives for years. It's nice to see they inked something good. <laughs> nice. Um, so we will leave you before we go. I want to mention the uh, the podcast awards. Uh, visit the description box below this video. You'll go to a link that's called uh, podcastawards.com. Joel, me, and everybody involved in the weekly poll are nominated for yes. podcast awards. And by the way, we're not competing with each other this time. You vote for everybody. Please do. We want you to vote for everybody. So go to the podcastawards.com and uh, vote for Elseworlds Exchange, the weekly poll, and of course the poll. Yes. Check those out because uh, it'd be nice to, to win some awards. It would be. I know uh, in years past, I think, uh, what is it, back when I was with Comic Book Cast, I think we actually came pretty close, but we wa uh, lost to a Walking Dead friggin podcast and i think the other big one was a taylor swift podcast luckily there's none of that going on this year there's no like big celebrities uh friggin gumming up the work so i think we got a shot if everybody goes and votes yeah i agree uh and yeah, also tell, tell tell your parents and grandparents to vote for us too. yes you gotta go over to the podcast or to podcastawards.com register and then uh find us we're in all this we're, we have three different categories plus elsewhere's exchange is also nominated for best in show or something like that yeah something like that something like that but uh but check them all check all the categories for the weekly poll the poll and of course elsewhere's exchange and give us a vote we really appreciate it yes and, i uh, think i think if we win we get to go to vegas where the actual awards are held and they're streamed live so that's cool agreed yeah uh sam mentions that we got a lot of competition people's choice award is for elseworlds exchange yes 50 other shows are nominated for that one but i think we got a good shot i like our odds we got we got a pretty loyal fan base there what was it uh was it bleeding cool uh elseworlds exchange we got that and the weekly poll at the same time yeah we almost edged out the weekly poll so shocking not bad so i mean fuck yeah yeah <laughs> i like damn no taylor swift podcast this year guess i'll have to vote for you guys then yeah <laughs> Sorry, no. T-Swift is not representing this year. No, no, no. But imagine if we met her at the awards show and she was really pissed. She really wanted this particular <sighs> award. It'd be great. She could write a whole song about us. <laughs> As she often does of the people who make her angry. <laughs> it's true. Never make T-Swift angry or you'll be a number one hit. You kidding? I would love to do that. I'll go to her house and throw eggs at her fucking door. Like... <laughs> She writes a whole concept album about that dickhead who threw eggs at my house. Exactly. But, uh, hey, everybody, thanks a lot for hanging out with us today on the Elseworlds Exchange. We'll see you guys next week with another episode. What's happened on Cape Joel? Everybody can be excited to go check out before we go. Uh, well, Matt came back from vacation, and I was totally supposed to have a new episode of the comic multiverse, but because Windows updated on my computer, it means OBS reverted back to the fucking presets, yeah. which means, well, you can hear Matt perfectly no one could hear me because it wasn't picking up my mic. Damn. Although, if you're a patriot, you get to hear an absolutely hilarious episode. I'm sure you've heard of, like, Garfield minus Garfield. Oh, you get man. Comic Multiverse minus Joel, so it's just Matt talking to nobody. <laughs> That's awesome. But if you want something good and, like, something I'm actually pretty proud of, I did the first episode of Comic Spice this week. Me eating hot sauce, burning my mouth, and talking about Deadpool versus Punisher. Nice. Yeah, I, I just I, I watched the episode yesterday. It was it was fun. I need to work on the echo. It's the really high ceilings. I didn't film it in my kitchen. I filmed it in the condo kitchen, which is really nice. But I didn't think echo would be a problem. Mm, mm. I should also probably sit down in the next one. I don't know if you saw, but when I'm uncomfortable, I sway a lot. <laughs> yes, I did see that. I become freaking Axl Rose. Yeah. Nothing lasts forever. November <laughs> rain. By the way, thank you very much to Getting Arthur with the Lobster for jumping into the super chat right at the tail end of the episode. Thank you so much, man. 
But uh, yeah, check all that out, and of course, catch us in about an hour or so for the new episode of Back Issues, where we're going to be doing DC's Legends from 1986. Mm. Good year. I, I, this is a fun episode, guys. Check it out. So, thank you guys, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.